body. You know, America's all about hot, badass, nasty speed. I mean, that's how you got to play the game of hockey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Behind the Mask. Ryan Adosovich joined alongside Jacob Stinson and Jacob Phillips. Of course, of course, we got some hockey to break down for you. So let's just jump right into it. But before we do that, how you gentlemen doing? Rough. Uh, <laughs> finals week, man. It's a, it's a killer. I don't even know how to do, how to put it anymore. Um, yeah, I got. I have gotten probably a combined eight hours of sleep the past two days. So solid. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> solid for finals season. Yeah. Who even knows? But yeah, so I have another. I have another project due at midnight tonight, so I got to go do that. Another events to go work tonight. Uh, not not enjoying life right now. Not gonna lie. Phillips, how you doing, man? Hopefully, some a little bit better than Stincy. Yeah, week before week before finals week is actually worse than finals week in my opinion. But yeah. uh, you know, got Canes after dark tonight, so excited for that. Um, with they plan? Anaheim. That's why it's at 10 p.m. Well, let me. Ugh. I mean, uh, hey, take the free dub. Yeah. That should be like six to two it, right there. It'll be a good break while I'm working on a history paper. So. I don't even want to talk about the Blues right now. After last night's game, <laughs> I'm just going to. They don't exist right now until. For the record, I saw at, for Canes and then Pens. Bennington let up two hat tricks in a row. I know. On so six goal games. It was, uh, what, Kasperi Kapanen w- w- in the Penguins game, and I don't even know who. Jordan Martinook for the Canes. Yeah, so like the most random players, too, but whatever. College hockey podcast. Yeah. College hockey. How you guys doing? Let's uh, let's break down MSU's last series against Minnesota. Didn't go the way that MSU fans wanted, that's for sure. First game, I mean, I, I don't think this is going to be too long-winded, but first game, 0-5 to loss. Uh, Minnesota scored eight minutes into the first. They scored with two minutes left in the second, so they were up 2-0 going into the third and looked like a game that was salvageable. It, MSU was not playing the best, but they they've had some strong thirds earlier in the season so you know it wasn't it wasn't completely over but then in the third a flurry goes by Minnesota in the later half of the period and it was a 5-0 loss what did you guys see on that game one there um so there was kind of a few things that i learned from this um it was a close game a little bit for the most part but um i think though throughout the whole uh, minnesota was just like significantly the better team and they kind of they proved it through like all three periods um with the talent they had they were faster they defended really well that's one thing i noticed like they were doing a really good job taking away um like the middle of the ice um and that was something i noticed with them uh but yeah like they were able to just to force turnovers kind of get msu out of sorts and not let them settle in on offense and then they because they had the speed uh logan cooley in this game was nuts he had what two goals and an assist yep um but like yeah he was nuts in this game and he was one of those guys where it's like oh yeah that's why he was drafted third overall that makes sense um but yeah he he was fast like uh his first goal in that game i thought which was the first goal of the weekend um was definitely one where i was looking at it and i'm thinking uh because uh, i went back and kind of did did some uh looked at some of the replays of these because um uh i'm in i'm in the middle of a piece right now that i'm gonna try and get up tomorrow if i can finish it Ooh. then um basically doing like a film breakdown of um like kind of picking some choice plays out of this um out of this weekend and kind of picking like uh you know the good the bad and the ugly was my my uh theme i was going for it 
But all that being said, Cooley is fast and he can get to like, he has some really good instincts and like he kind of knows, you know, where to go on the ice and he has the speed to get there quick before defense can really set up. And that's really one thing you'll find with that first goal. Um, so look out on, look out for the, the article on that tomorrow. But that was, a, that was the main thing. But uh, regardless, like, yeah, Minnesota was just a really fast team and very skilled. They have a lot of guys that can put the puck in the net, and they proved it, especially in that third period. <laughs> things kind of just started to fall apart at that point. Yeah, I saw a lot of the same things. I also want to touch a bit on, you know, Michigan State really tried to keep playing the hockey that they've been playing all year with their defense up in the rush, and that really hurt them, especially going into this game. It was really clear because anytime their their back check wasn't fast enough to get back and cover Minnesota and it was just clear Minnesota was going to take advantage of that all night and Michigan State really needed to tighten up their offense not just in this game but also in the next it's kind of a it was really similar play between both games but they kept going for cross-ice passes and trying to have these big broad strokes and Minnesota was just intercepting passes left and right forcing turnovers and it Michigan State really didn't adapt well to Minnesota's defense. Yeah, that was one thing Nightingale said too. Um, like in post game and all that, we, he was saying that like he didn't think Minnesota got enough credit for it, but like they were really strong on the stick defensively. Like they were, yeah, picking off. Like there were a lot of times during that game, like they would you know bat the pucks out of midair and settle them properly. Like that was one of the things that um, that I had noticed. I'd never really seen from like college hockey teams like that before. Just the yeah, how strong they were on the stick. So and for Michigan State. This goes for game two as well. Michigan State played sloppy. They didn't play bad, but they they just turned the puck over too many times when it didn't seem like they were forced into turnovers. And like you said, Phillips, they were trying to do these stretch passes that may work against Miami, not working against you know a high-flying team like Minnesota. But yeah, for Michigan State, both of the games were like that. There were... They were just mistakes. And when you're facing and a very talented team and a very good team, a team that could go on to win the Big Ten this year in Minnesota, you can't make those mistakes. And on the other side, Minnesota did not make those mistakes at all. I can remember maybe five mistakes that they made over the weekend. If you're playing the the way MSU played against Minnesota that past weekend, you're going to lose most times because MSU made the mistakes and Minnesota capitalized on them. And it played very, very well into their fast-paced, high-octane game because they were able to take those loose pucks and turn it turn it up ice and the times that Michigan State wasn't able to clear out their own zone which was a lot Minnesota got a lot of chances from that and uh I'll I'll give credit where credit's due right now like I said stuff I'm saying in game one also carries over to game two Dylan St. Cyr you can't you can't blame this series at all on him St. Cyr was playing amazingly and I I should I I kind of jumped the gun in game two he had countless save after countless save that was amazing in game one he had a couple but he was, yeah, nothing nothing against him this series. He played amazing, but the defense just kind of let him out to dry, really. Yeah, I think there was maybe one goal in Game 2 specifically that you can point to and say, okay, St. Cyr should have covered the puck up when he batted it away, and that came back to bite him as Minnesota just got the rebound and not even a minute later just put it, put it back behind him. You know, it's one of those where he did have that choice and I think that's the only goal that I saw over the weekend that truly was really a a lapse in judgment by St. Cyr everything else was just Minnesota was fast Minnesota was tough and hey let's just jump right in game two 
uh, through two periods. It was kind of the same story. Minnesota not making many mistakes. Michigan State still making the same mistakes they made the night previously. Pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, it was 3-0 going into the third Minnesota in the lead, or was it 4? 4-0. It was 4-0, okay. But honestly, in this game, before the third, and we'll we'll talk about the third in a bit, Michigan State played better in this game. They just uh, you know let in twice as many goals through two periods, and it it just it's I I said this on the broadcast uh, after the the six three loss, which we're talking about right now. It's it's a humbling loss, and it shows that for Michigan State fans and for Nightingale, the rebuild isn't going to happen overnight. As much as MSU fans would have loved to see that, and it's going amazingly so far, but. You can't expect to go against a top team like Minnesota, uh, you know, turn over the puck, make some mistakes, be lacking on defense, and then come out with a split or a sweep. And that's really what happened for the Spartans this weekend. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, Yeah, you're talking about the rebuild not exactly happening overnight. But even then, I think it's more of just with the current team uh, and the the group of guys that he has right now. Because the biggest part of a rebuild, uh, especially for Nightingale in this situation, is him getting his own recruits in there. Because I think he has two of his own, two guys, or no, three guys I can think of that he recruit that Nightingale himself recruited that like committed to Michigan State after um, Nightingale was hired as head coach, and that is Muka, Saint Cyr, and Dorward. I don't know if Hertig was before or after. Oh, Hertig was too. Yeah, Hertig was, Hertig okay. was too. Um, I forgot about Hertig, but um, yeah. So his guys aren't aren't quite there yet. Not all of them, at least. And the guys he has are pretty darn good. Uh, so, and then if you look at the guys that are committed right now and the guys that are coming in, uh, one of the guys I think we should mention too, uh, at some or give a quick little shout out, um, Maxim Sturbach. Um, a defenseman from, I believe, Slovakia, uh, who just committed officially to MSU like last week. Um, Actually, he just announced on Instagram, I think today. Yeah, but or, my, people yeah, already today, knew yesterday, last or something week. like that. Yeah, um, but huge get. Yeah, I, I was I was going back to watch the highlights of this dude uh, to go to go see. Like this dude is good. He is incredibly smart uh, as a defensive player um, and as a defenseman. So. He's got you got that. You got guys like Christian Humphreys coming in, like, and those are like projected first round talents right there, uh, for the both of them. And when's the last time MSU has had that associated with their hockey program at all? I don't even know because yeah, if, if you're thinking maybe of the like, KHL line, but still I'm, that they weren't, that was they weren't still, first round that picks. was a reach. Yeah, they weren't first rounders. Um, because I'm, I'm trying to think of like you know the guys that have gone on to like do things in the NHL from MSU when like Tori Krug was undrafted. Uh. I don't know. Where, There's Abdocator, Ryan, Ryan Miller, Miller, but that's, you know, 2008 and before. Like That was like three coaches ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was a while ago, especially for us college kids here. But yeah, the the pipeline too. Uh, I didn't even mention Trey Augustine, who also has oh, yeah. been going off this year. Um, we I think we mentioned that last pod. Um, but like the stat on him right now is like if the season ended today, he would have the best career uh, or the best like single season marks and save percentage and goals against average for any NTDP season ever. Yeah, any goalie for US NTDP, which there's been a lot of good goalies to go through that program. A lot of NHLers. <sighs> oh yeah. Um, so uh, good reason to get excited if you're a, if you're a Michigan State fan. Plenty of uh, good recruits coming on the way. 
Um, but even then, uh, going back to what we were saying about the current group, a lot of it too, Nightingale's philosophy has really just been like, a, it's a wanting to get better every day or like every weekend. And I, he was saying basically, it's part of the things where it's like, there are times there when you see like runs that they make and things that they like and things that you don't like um, about, you know, your performance. And you can kind of see, uh, basically, you can see the flaws now um, in seasons like this or in series like this. I think credit uh, to, fi- to fix later, at least work on practice. Yeah, I think credit where credit's due. Michigan State did look better in game two. Kind of going back to Ryan's point, I mean, they did score three goals, you know, three more than they scored on the Friday game. And I remember watching, I think it was Jeremy Davidson's first goal where it was him and Nico Mueller really crowding Justin Close, the goalie from Minnesota. And it's just clear Davidson was going to pass to Mueller and Close shifts over. And Davidson just goes ahead and puts it right up, right up in the top shelf above close shoulder, for uh, the second goal for Michigan State. And I just remember thinking, you know, these are those highlights, kind of that you're talking about, where you kind of see the, like those those positives that you see in these series like this. So, you know, it wasn't quite the it it was far from the result Michigan State wanted, but there was certainly a pulse there in Game Two, where you did see, you know, this team does perform well it's just minnesota is a really good team yeah and that game to the the six three loss we're talking about minnesota going into the third period they're up four zero but msu had their chances there there were multiple times where it was right there there was one i think the second nico mueller uh wraparound attempt literally went right across the goal line nobody was able to put it home because uh, minnesota's defense boxed msu out pretty well but there were multiple times where it didn't look like this game was going to be 0-4 going into the third. And in my opinion, it shouldn't have been 0-4. But like I said earlier, you know, broken record, some defensive laps in judgment, some turned over pucks, and Minnesota, they're talented, so they were able to score on them. But that third period, though, I, I saved it for a reason. We got to talk about that. MSU comes out, scores two goals right away. One's two minutes in, one's nine minutes in. Both of them looked really good, and their offense was absolutely clicking. One of them, uh, Jesse Tucker, assisted by Christian Krieger, which great patience on that goal by Christian Krieger. He waited, he waited, he waited, and then he passed it to to Tucker last second when uh, Close really had no business of saving it, sliding over from his right to his left. And then the Davidson goal, you talked about it. I I can't remember if it's his first or second one that that you talked about it, but he was just extremely smart. He had open ice on the uh, the near side, right side faceoff dot. And he also, he delayed, he waited, and he waited till Mueller got back door right next to Close to the point where Close is like, okay, it looks like Davidson is going to go for the pass instead of the shot. And right, Close didn't even move over that much. Right when Close dipped his right shoulder to go to that far side, that's when Davidson shot it. So heads up play by Davidson. And just like that, it's, it's a 4-2 game. MSU also has a lot of life. And then the goal that really put the nail in the coffin, Mason Nevers, just a couple minutes after MSU made it 4-2, puts it up or puts a goal in the back of the net, makes it 5-2, and then you can't you can't ask for another three goals against Minnesota in less than 10 minutes. So that was that. Jeremy Davidson did add a second one to make it 6-3, but that third period, if it wasn't for that third period in game two, I would be extremely worried. But my other question is, MSU showed what they could do in the third. They were the much better team in the third in that game, in my opinion. Where was that the first two periods? Credit to Minnesota for shutting MSU down. Well, I think at that point, you're kind of playing almost with nothing to lose. 
Uh, and that's going to be one thing that they're going to have to work on doing more and kind of being able to, to figure out what works um, against them and like kind of the the, the kind of speed and decision-making you're going to have to have to be able to beat teams like Minnesota or Michigan or whoever, um, these top dogs of the conference, um, and to see what really works against them uh, and be able to kind of put, apply that more over the, the course of a series. Um, and I think that's going to be what's crucial for them this week because they ended off on a good note, for mostly speaking, um, in that third period. They did, they did win the third period 3-2. Uh, and that's one thing the players were talking about a lot post-game. So that's going to be one thing that they're going to want to have to try and really kind of study this week and install and practice and is just keeping up that same like intensity and that same level of play for the entire game uh, because they will need it this week. Yeah, I think one thing that I saw throughout was you, you really saw in a shift in that third period where they did start playing more aggressive. They started playing closer to the goal rather than just trying to shoot it from the point to get it to get the puck out and just try and put shots on net. Uh, it is really that heads-up decision-making and being able to understand, okay, like take, actually realizing what's going on and not just playing on autopilot, that I think that's what took over in the third period. And part of it is, you know, what you said, they kind of had, had the luxury of being able to stop thinking about, okay, well, what happens if I miss? Then I got to go and backtrack. Because at that point, they're already down by four in game two. You know, defense isn't your top concern. So your your primary concern is scoring. And so they kind of were they were able to focus more. And I think that's what really happened in that third period is a lot more focus. Anything else on that series, gentlemen? I think I would be remiss to not point out that there were absolutely zero penalties called in this entire series yeah i thought that yeah. was so weird i did not know what to make of that um which game one got a little chippy i definitely wanted to see some calls but game two i actually no no uh no worries at all i i actually really like how there was no calls in game two game one though and they missed there, some stuff. there was opinion. one instance in game one where i saw from the box where minnesota did shove uh, Eric Middendorf into the boards. Oh my God! When he he was down on his knees at the time, the puck was already back across to the other corner, um, and the ref was standing right there. But you know, penalties really didn't affect this series. I don't. If they had called penalties, I don't think it would have been a real game changer. So it's nothing really that anyone can really harp on too much. I just don't know of another college hockey series that ended without any penalties, especially between yeah. two ranked teams. I would have loved to go back into the archives and find out, but really, you know, like we said at the top of the pod, it's finals week. We don't have much time right now. And going through every single college series and trying to find the last one where there's no penalties will probably take a while. So sorry we couldn't get that done for you. But yeah, no penalties. It was it was definitely bizarre, especially a big like Big Ten conference series. Maybe maybe against two teams who haven't met each other, there would not be much chippiness, but no, it was it was definitely weird. Definitely weird to see nothing, but I would like to see MSU on a power play. I think it. I I'm not saying they would have this definitely put a power play goal home, but I think it would have helped them maybe disrupt some Minnesota momentum, especially in the first two periods of both games. So I don't know, but that uh, following the zero five loss and three to six loss, MSU drops their first series all season, so they were swept for the first time all year, which is pretty surprising at to this point, honestly. And um, like I said earlier, 
St. Cyr, nothing nothing you could put on him. He played a played a really good series. And uh Michigan State will get another chance against Minnesota at the uh the end of January. So just pretty much month and fifteen days or so, they get another shot at at what might be the team who's taken home the uh the Big Ten championship. But I'm jumping my guns here. Who who the heck knows what's gonna happen? But um speaking of who may be taking home the uh the Big Ten ship. We got some updated Big Ten stand- standings for you guys. Uh, number one, to no surprise, it's still Minnesota. They got 24 points. They uh, got eight wins, two losses in the conference. Following up just five points below with 19 is Penn State. Michigan State in third with 17 points. Ohio State in fourth with 15. Michigan and Notre Dame tied at fifth with nine. And then Wisconsin pulling off one dub against Michigan this past weekend. Finally gets themselves their first points in the Big Ten, and they get uh, they get three with the dub there. It was a weird weekend in college hockey, my guy. It was... Uh, <laughs> At our pick'em show. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, it was not a good weekend for the pick'ems. Uh, <laughs> we'll get there in a bit. See, but... I'm, I'm the one who... Oh, I, wait, no, I don't even want to spoil it. Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> but the thing is, too, as far as the rankings go, it, was even, it got even weirder because... Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, like... Minnesota only moved up one spot after that sweep. Yep, they were uh, at four. Now they're at three this week. Yeah, and then the split with Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, Penn State, then did a little flip flop. They went uh, now Penn State's five, Michigan is six. Uh, this one. <laughs> now the next one, Michigan State, after getting swept, moves up one spot to number twelve. Um, Which I I literally made a mistake. I saw Minnesota State at sixteen, and I jumped the gun. I'm like. Because I was expecting Michigan State to be 16, 17, 100%. So when the the rankings came out, I saw MSU 16. I didn't check it twice. And it was Minnesota State, not Michigan State, because Michigan State moved from 13 to 12 after getting swept, which Uh, that was interesting. The thing is, though, um, is Minnesota State is is actually people probably most directly responsible. Because I kind of was talking about this on Twitter a little bit, but... We were uh, trying to debunk why MSU went up a point. <laughs> yeah, and my theory that basically that I came up with was, if you look at the poll from the week before, the only team that was ranked above Michigan State that wasn't ranked above them the week before, or that or, sorry, the, the only team that's ranked below Michigan State this week that was ranked above them last week it was Minnesota State, who was number 11, and they got swept by Ferris State. The Bulldogs. So yeah, not a great, not a great weekend for the for the Mavericks, um, and so they fell down to sixteen. And then, I guess the the committee didn't really want to uh, bump or penalize MSU too much for getting swept by Minnesota of all teams because Minnesota really good. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my thought process. So they by by proxy, they kind of just got moved up more than anything. It wasn't anything they did. It was the fact that Minnesota State just really did not do well. Then rounding out the uh, the Big Ten rankings in the USCHO poll, OSU checks in at number 15, and then those pesky Irish still between the 19th and 20th rank this week, they check in at 19th, and then Wisconsin obviously not ranked at all. Yeah, that, that's a little bit, what's, what, what really is confusing to me is Long Island last week beats Ohio State in one game and gets a vote. Yep. Wisconsin beats Michigan, I believe, 6-3, to three. And I mean, and and that last empty net face-off goal oh was gosh. insane. I can't stop talking enough about it. But uh, 
It reminds me of like uh, whatever the college high school equivalent of the butt fumble would be. Yes, would be or trouble with the snap. Yeah, basically that that, that is Michigan hockey's trouble with the snap right there. But yeah, um, wait, hold on for context. Uh, Michigan was down five to three. They won a faceoff at, at neutral ice, and that faceoff win right off the wind slid all the way back into their own net to make them lose six three against Wisconsin. So that's because they had, that's why we're laughing at it. They had pulled their goalie, so it was empty net, and they just couldn't get after it fast enough. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm surprised because Wisconsin doesn't get a single vote from USCHO. Pool. I want to know who voted for LIU after that one win against OSU. I want to know who that person is and why the double standard against wisconsin yeah well wisconsin's been bad i don't know i mean <laughs> well when, we did, when we did that re- when we did that tour with, or that thing with long island at least they when previewing them um they still had like they took quinnipiac to uh to a tie they, they took QPAC to a scoreless tie yeah, they had some impressive stuff but then that that was like the first four games and they did nothing since that yeah you know? so, ever since they played msu it's just been completely downhill for them um so I just wanted to point out Wisconsin not receiving a single vote which from is, USCHO, which is they deserved. Should. Yes, but but with the whole LIU context, I yeah, it's, even though it's just one vote and it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, yeah, I'm because yeah, Michigan is, Michigan's ranked sixth, Ohio State is now ranked fifteenth, so just a, a little a little weird. Felt I I needed to address it. A little question mark, but we'll we'll keep the pod chugging along. We got. A big series coming up. Ooh, we got a home and home at Michigan State against in-state rival number six Michigan. First game, Mon Ice Arena, Friday night, six thirty. Second game, Yost Ice Arena, Saturday night, six thirty. And uh, should should be. I said this last week, and it didn't really turn out to be that. But I'm more confident with this one. Should be a banger of a series. We'll see though. And uh, yeah, let's let's just break down the the upcoming weekend, gentlemen. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's the uh, the most played rivalry in college hockey. Uh, as far as the, the and game... And the best. As far as the game is Definitely concerned, it's, you know, I mean, it's a very different Michigan team from last year. You know, out of the, the whole storyline last year with them was the, oh, they got four of the top five draft picks Jesus. On, that, on one team at the same time. That draft was crazy for them. It was, but only one of them is still there. Uh, but it just so happens to be the one that was the best against MSU. And that entire uh, tenure, uh, when they played each other, at least the Luke Hughes, uh, sorry, uh, scary. who was still very good. Um, That's just in, still very good. <laughs> yes, he he kind of dominated Michigan State last year, but it's a very different Michigan State team by the same token. So that's kind of the the main thing for me is I, I'm really curious how Nightingale specifically kind of plans for this because uh, last time they met uh, Michigan State, Michigan being that that is. Um, it was right before spring break, and I was in the airport on the uh, waiting to ha- catch a flight to Fort Lauderdale, and I'm writing a very long uh, analysis piece, doing a goal by goal breakdown of every single of all eight goals that Michigan scored in the uh, in the blowout in the playoffs last year. Uh, it was it was not a fun game to watch. Um, no, we that didn't. was Michigan State's last game of the season last year. Yeah, you guys, you and Cam were on the broadcast. Ah, jeez, I felt so uh, bad for Cam uh, who had to call that. <laughs> yeah, his la- his that last... was his last game. Yeah, yeah, and it was eight zero blowout. And I was, I decided I was going to write a nice little, uh, you know, film breakdown piece. And now we're now full circle. We should have another one tomorrow. So, yay. Now keep an eye out for Stincy's preview. Hopefully, up by the time this podcast gets up, but we'll see. 
I'm probably gonna. I'm planning on having that one out Thursday. Do the oh, film. God. Do film piece tomorrow, and then uh, preview will be out, out by Thursday. And look at all this stuff we're doing, even in oh, finals week or trust before me, finals. The, week. the content grind never stops. Uh, <laughs> but um, <laughs> <The> chuckle. <laughs> it was, it's the half uh, laugh, half shudder. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, but if you're curious in the players to watch section, yes, Luke Hughes is one of the players. Uh, He's got to be Michigan's roster, pretty much. <laughs> well, uh, the, half, the other not, player that I actually have highlighted, we'll we'll just spoil it now. Um, the other player from Michigan I have highlighted was uh, Adam Fantilli. Yeah, uh, is the other guy you're gonna have to watch because you're gonna hear his name after the college hockey season is over um, when it comes time for the NHL draft because uh, man is uh, slated to be going uh, pretty high, like in the top five. Um, the comparison I hear the most, I've heard the most often. Uh, for Adam Fantilli in my research um, was uh, this one dude from the Leafs. Uh, where's number uh, 34? Uh, name's Austin mm-hmm. Matthews mm. uh, in, in terms of play style, right? So uh, <laughs> the, dude, uh, the dude's a scorer. The dude is a goal scorer through and through. He is, uh, he is very good, um, and I am curious to see how he does. But um, yeah, as of right now, through... Uh, <laughs> Through 16 games, he has 11 goals, 15 assists for 26 points. Uh, so he is uh, he's going off this year, and uh, yeah, he, they're gonna they're gonna have to want Michigan State is going to have to do everything in their power to contain this man. Like this, and there's other guys too. Like last year, one of the guys that also I remember doing very well against Michigan State. Granted, there was a lot of them that did, but uh, Mackie Samuskevich. Uh, who's a sophomore this year, who was also another first-round pick on that roster. Um, but I think he went in, like, the 20s. But he's got 21 points in the 18 games. Uh, yeah, the, the the team, they got talent. They got a lot of, they have uh, a lot of guys that can put the puck in the back of the net. Um, so if they're going to, they're going to, the main guy, I think the main guys are going to want to slow down. Luke Hughes, Adam Fantilli, those are my main two. Yeah, this this is a team with uh, talent pretty much all around the roster. What I thought was interesting, though, um, was the uh, the goaltending has kind of been a little bit down this year. Yeah, uh, compared, Eric Portillo, uh, the starter, who's I think was also a third round pick, um, his numbers have kind of taken a dip uh, this year. He was he had a nine two six save percentage this year. Through fifteen games this year, he's got a nine zero two. Um, and he also has a two nine four goals against average, um, and yeah, it it was a uh, the numbers are kind of inflated because uh, he kind of took a beating um, in those weekends where Michigan was dealing with a lot of illnesses and stuff, but um, yeah, he's been uh, he, he's had some uh, some stinkers out there uh, for sure. Um, so yeah, that's gonna be that's an interesting one that I'm curious to see how that plays out because. Uh, the yeah the numbers have definitely taken a step back so maybe uh, the Michigan State should be able to exploit it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think you covered a lot, of, pretty much everything in game. Uh, I think one thing that's interesting is, uh, to my knowledge, Mun Ice Arena for Friday's game has been sold out for days now. Ooh. Like people are nice. looking for tickets. Yeah, I saw a tweet on like Good. Saturday saying there was only like 15 tickets left. Or no, sorry, it was last Sunday. It was over this past Sunday. 
yeah so it's uh this is this is going to be the biggest home game Michigan State hockey has had and looking back at Minnesota I mean we saw a wave game one at Mon Ice Arena like an actual wave throughout the audience like the the, the crowd and I don't know the last time I've ever seen that at Mon Ice Arena well it's because they have things to cheer about now so and good teams to play against there should be more people packed into the stadium now for this Friday. Uh, it's going to be loud. Um, I, I don't know if it's going to necessarily be anywhere close to, you know, for instance, playing in Pagula, but I know that's kind of the hope for Michigan State fans is making Mon Ice Arena like Pagula, but... uh I don't. I, I think uh, home ice advantage is gonna be a thing this weekend, both for Michigan State and Mun, but for Michigan and Yost, I expect Yost to also be packed. Yost is a is a, is definitely a tough rink uh, to play in. That especially when you add the whole fact that it's Michigan State um, that they're playing of all teams. Yeah, it, it's uh it's not exactly an easy place to play. Like I said last year when we were there, uh, I think it was like a combined like between the two game series that they played there it was i think the first game was like 5 nothing 5 1 one of those two um i could go back real quick i could too. double check um first game at was, michigan yeah um oh never mind Found about it. The it was 4 to 1 season. no this was the this was the big 10 playoffs so uh, oh, combined yeah, playoffs. 12 to 1 uh you know goal differential on the uh, on that weekend series uh, Yost, not exactly a a fun place to play. Yeah, the um, crowd's kind of right on top of you and Yost. Everything's yeah. just... Well, so, uh, you got you to go into... I, I would definitely recommend going to see in a game at Yost. It's a cool place. I got to play there once when I was in like uh, fifth, sixth grade, something like that. I don't know. That's a tangent, but... <laughs> Um, uh, with my travel team at the time, I was we did a tournament. We're, we're back on the Stinson has never been scored on as goalie. Correct. <laughs> to our knowledge. Yes. That is true. So uh, looking at a table of tape between these two, though, just wanted to pull up some numbers because why not? Both teams, 11-6-1 overall. Uh, Michigan, though, in the Big Ten, they're 3-5-0. Michigan State played a little bit more in the Big Ten. They're 5-4-1. But for Michigan State, it's it's been a... Wolverine dominated last couple years by far. Uh, U of M has won the last 11 out of 12 in the series. MSU has lost the last six. All, all six of those games were last season, too. Yeah, all six were last season. But it's that's that's a tale of the tape. It's a whole new season. Com- two completely different teams. Michigan doesn't even have Mel Pearson at the helm right now. And uh, Michigan State, obviously, with Nightingale, so it's completely different. Just want to put that out there for record purposes. Yeah, but... entirely new coaches. Uh, well, Brandon, I think it's Narado. Narado is how you say that name. Yeah, I don't. Um, I... I think it's or Narado. Sorry, something, something around Brandon that, Narado. You got it. But he's the new, but he's the new guy at the helm this year. He's been doing pretty a sure just job. interim. I, th- I think he, they're no, still. They, I think they named him as like they did? the head coach. Ooh. Head coach. Was... I, I have the line chart from the Wisconsin series from Michigan, and he's still listed as interim head coach. Oh well, then it's oh, interim yeah. then. We'll see though. We'll see. Um, unless something has decent... changed in the past yeah. like three days. Still done a decent job. He it doesn't. It's hard. It's easier to coach when you got you know Adam Fantilli, Luke Hughes, Mackie Samuskevich, yada yada yada. The list goes on, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, but still. 
uh, Michigan still doing very well. Uh, blank wins if you guys you guys down? Sure. Blank wins if Stency MSU will win if they do what? I'm gonna say the kind of the same thing that I said um, last week for Minnesota because they didn't do what I said they did what they had to do, and look what happened. Uh, but they're gonna they're gonna want to have to focus. Um, a little bit on back checking, which is what I said last week. But I think the new, the, the main thing I'm going to kind of shift the focus a little bit this week, as important as back checking is, I'm going to say the main thing they're going to have to want to take away is just the center of the ice. Like if you could draw a box from like the the face off dots uh, down to the goal line, uh, from like yeah, both face off dots across into the goal line, um, that's going to be the area they're going to want to have to take care of the most because that is. You know the obviously the most high danger areas, but if they can kind of force Michigan, I get I get Michigan's talented, and you got like guys like Fantilli can score from distance, right? Whatever. Uh, but if you can really just prevent that, clog up the lane a little bit, uh, get some sticks up that force some turnovers on like cross ice passes and things like that. But if you can take away the middle of the ice and kind of force them to shoot from the outside, um, that forces turnovers. That means that Michigan State's a little able to get out and transition a little more. Um, and they're going to want to have to focus on that this week a lot because if they can do that and if they can, you know, get out in transition and get some better looks on my Russians and things like that, I'm not that confident in Michigan's defense enough to warrant, uh, or like I, I'm not confident enough in Michigan's defense to think that if they do get enough good looks and get in transition and things like that, they will have issues scoring if they can just get their usual shots because uh, they kind of, they ran into those issues the same way against Minnesota. Like Minnesota is doing the exact same things I'm talking about now. And look at that series wound up. Phillips MSU looks to do what if they want to win, man, I mean, where do I begin? How much time you guys got? <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to limit myself. Uh, yeah, not much. <laughs> I'm, I'm going li- to, I'm, I'm going to limit myself here. Uh, I think, one immediate thing is tighten up the offense. Really focus on shorter passes that you can for sure connect. Because we saw, tape. yes, especially. I mean, the amount of cross ice passes over the neutral zone is just that didn't go Michigan State's way this past weekend was frustrating. So really got to tighten up passing and just overall limit turnovers. Uh, and and. You know, that's kind of correcting mistakes. I'll say if they really want to come out on top this weekend, don't be afraid to get close. Uh, you know, they've got plenty of guys back on defense that like to shoot from the point, but none of those really turn into goals. Sure, Except it's pressure. Guy. Yeah, but we didn't see any of that against Minnesota. None, none well, of them came he from did, the, he did. He did ring one off the post and had another good shot, but... Not none, as much. None Plus, there's the no power play, which he thrives on the power play at the point, the QB but, spot. You know, but none none went into the back of the net. And one of the things that we saw against Justin Close from Minnesota is when they get up there and crowd crowd him in the crease, able to kind of start getting him moving, especially because he's bigger. I think if Michigan State can really take advantage of that and work on the rebound, something that I've heard in post game for a couple weeks now is one area that they keep trying to improve and really need to improve on because it will get them a lot of good scoring chances is getting those rebounds up close. And you saw a couple of those chances against Minnesota, and I think if they can just take advantage of that, they they can really uh, 
really overpower Michigan at this point. I'm going for a little bit of two-parter and some of what you said. Against Minnesota, Michigan State made mistakes. If you're going against a good team you and you want to win, you cannot make the mistakes that Michigan State was making last weekend against the Gophers. So number one for me, tighten up those mistakes. Like I said, uh, tape-to-tape passes. Don't try to go for those giant stretch passes that'll have to go through like two skaters' legs or something crazy like that. Uh, stick to your smart, simple, quick game and don't and try not to get away from it. And then another one that I've been saying often, but I think it is extremely crucial for this series, come out and score first against Michigan. Michigan State is 8-0-1 when scoring first. I think that'll go, that'll go miles if they score first in any of these contests against Michigan. So I know I've used those in the past, but I, I think those hit home really on what Michigan State needs to do for this series. Yeah, I mean, we you use them because when they do it, they win. Yeah, a true. lot. Of, a lot of the segment Stats is basically <laughs> a lot of the segment is basically just picking like what are some good like just habits in general that will win you games. Yeah. Like, play good defense, you're going to win games. You you know, score first, you're probably going to win. Yeah, so what works, what needs to be fixed? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So for Michigan, what do they need to do to win? I think most important for them is they need a good performance out of Eric Portillo. Uh, they need good goaltending because it. From if you look at the results of the games this year, it seems like every game for the most part, it's either Michigan will let up like one or two goals, or they'll let up like four, five, six. Uh, and so the offense is pretty much always is all will be there for them. They have the talent for that. That's not an issue. The defense is what uh, concerns me because some of these losses, especially when they get into the conference, five uh, two against Minnesota, six three against Minnesota. 6-3 against Wisconsin. Uh, like, you're going to... And then there's also a tie where they scored four and then lost in a shootout against Harvard. Like, you're going to need some very good... You're going to need good goaltending to keep you in this game because Michigan finds themselves in a lot of these, like, you know, shootouts and things like that uh, and, like, these high-scoring games. But there's, they come out on the losing end of them more often than not uh, when the goal totals get to be, like, seven total in the whole game plus right they that is when their goaltending kind of seems to kind of really falter and let them go so they're going to need a good performance out of eric portillo to really you know keep them in uh you know give them a win because i don't know how well they're going to be able to handle a uh a dog fight especially if it comes to like a goaltending duel between portillo and dylan saints here yeah you know uh i think I could just as easily say goaltending, you know, uh, have Portillo just be able to move and really cut off Michigan State's, uh, you know, lateral passing. But I think on the flip side, if they can get Dylan St. Cyr out of position, um, I, I mean, against Minnesota, we saw that. And, you know, a lot of this is going to be comparing Minnesota, of course. But we saw, you know, Dylan St. Cyr, Michigan State's defense doesn't really – give him a whole lot of help, especially when they're down, they start playing even more conservative and don't get aggressive, and that allows teams like Minnesota to really take advantage and get these open shots. And if you can just kind of take advantage of, you know, Michigan State not having the best defense, as well as getting Dylan St. Cyr really moving and out of position. If you can get him out of position, uh, yeah, I mean, clear goal. So I think... That's basically the key for Michigan in this at this point. For me, 
if you're Michigan and you did your homework of watching, you know, scouting Michigan State this past weekend against Minnesota, what Minnesota did very well is just kind of muck up the middle and make it extremely hard for them to get clean zone entries. I can't really remember a period where MSU got what they wanted offensively except for the last period in the second game. And Minnesota just they just they did it well. They I'm not saying their total game plan was hey, let's load the middle and make sure MSU doesn't get overlined cleanly. No, that wasn't their game plan at all, but that's something that they did extremely well in their game, and they didn't even have to rely on it that much. So for Michigan, if you do your homework, you do your scouting, you'll see that that worked well uh, against Michigan State, and I'd say that's a way that they're going to they're gonna look to win some games this weekend. So moving on to the... Uh, the the pickums, which holy crap, we had an ex- historically terrible week. So hopefully you did not put any money on any of our bets. If you do so, uh, I don't really know what you're doing, but okay. <laughs> but I'll, I'll give I'll throw it to Stitzy to break it down. All right. So last week, uh, as we've established at this point, uh, Michigan went to Wisconsin uh, and gave uh, the Badgers their first conference win of the season. Uh, we all predicted Michigan sweeps because why would we not? Uh, and so we all got it wrong and didn't get any points off that series. Um, we, Phillips and I predicted, uh, the Penn state wagon to keep rolling, uh, this weekend against the Ohio state Buckeyes. It, uh, didn't really, it was a split. Only person that got that right was Ryan. Whoa. Um, who got who got one point for that? And then the only other conference series that weekend, another one we've talked about at length already. Uh, Minnesota swept Michigan State. We all predicted splits in that series, so none of us got points. Um, and then, as far as the locks of the week went, we actually were all pretty close. We were all one series off mm. uh, from from this hitting. Um, and what I learned was the the picks that I had said that I was the most confident in uh, were the ones that didn't hit. I, I learned. <laughs> Because I talked, I kind of talked at length about all of my picks for the Big Ten. None of those got there. The only parlay pick that I had that I was the that I've said I was the most confident in called them a wagon. They had won like seven in a row going to that game. I had Niagara to sweep Army, and they split. Um, those service academies—they're too inconsistent. Yeah, which is hilarious. All our parlays died on Friday night, and then Saturday night, the rest of them just like. We're perfect. <laughs> right. Um, but then for Ryan, he's the only one that predicted RIT to sweep Canisius, and that didn't hit. That was his one that he got off. No. Nope. Um, Ryan and Phillips both predicted Bemidji State to sweep St. Thomas, which hit. Um, Phillips and I both predicted St. Cloud State to sweep North Dakota, and that was correct. Uh, and then I also added Boston University over New Hampshire and Denver over Arizona State, which were both correct. But it doesn't matter. None of us got points in those parlays. So... Well, I also, uh, I picked Minnesota State over Ferris. Oh, yeah. Sorry, and, I messed uh, that up. Yes. Yeah, that, that's what didn't hit for me. That was the, that, that was the opposite there. What we should have done, what would, what would have been fun before we started this would be if the team that you predicted got reverse swept. So, like, for example, Ferris State oh, sweeping oh, oh, oh. Minnesota State, you'd lose a point. <laughs> but that, no, nah, we're not going to do that. That's too late in the season for that to add rules and stuff. But that would have been a fun game. Regardless, totals on the week. Uh, historically bad week for the Pickums. Whoops. Sorry, Ryan getting a phone Whoops. call. Whoops. Uh, 
regardless, totals on the week. Ryan got one point for the Penn State Ohio State sweep. Phillips and I each got zero, breaking last week's three-way tie. <laughs> so now Ryan leads the pickums for the first time in how many years now? Uh, it's been a while. We'll say that. And in my <laughs> like, what was it? Four, five, five weeks in in first, even though it was tied for the last two weeks. Uh, my my first place streak comes to an end. Which usually I won't be excited over getting one point. I'll probably just sit here and say nothing and won't celebrate. But I got one point, and because of that, now I'm in the lead. Let's go, baby. Right? Yes, Ryan Woo. has a one-point lead. He's got 27 <laughs> points on the on the year. I have 26, and so does Phillips. So that is where we're at going into this weekend. But we'll start mm-hmm. off with the new pickums for the new week. Uh, three Big Ten series and some very a very lackluster out-of-conference slate this week for the parlays. It's putting it nice. But we'll... Uh, <laughs> We'll, we'll parlay regardless. Um, but start off with the with the first series. You got number five Penn State going on the road to Compton Family Ice Arena to take on the 19th ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I've got a split in this one. I'm not going to explain my reasoning because I've learned if I explain it too much, <laughs> then it uh, doesn't do well. So uh, that's all I got. Split. Uh, Phillips. I have Penn State to win this. I like the way Penn State's been playing all year. Normally... Uh, I would give home ice or, uh, home ice advantage a huge benefit of the doubt. In this case, though, I don't like the way that Notre Dame has really been playing. Uh, I they really haven't they, they they haven't swept anyone since Northern Michigan, and a lot of their splits have come off pretty close games. And I think Notre Dame is just gonna, uh, you know, just sweep. Uh, that I don't want to overexplain either. So, I got, I've got Penn State. All right. Uh, moving on. Whoa, we, whoa, whoa, Oh, sorry. Whoa, Ryan, go whoa. ahead. Ryan, go ahead. Ryan, go ahead. Jesus, McBeezus. I'm trying to get another one getting ahead of myself here. again. We're doing this. Yeah, so. I'm going, you know, I'm going for the split. Uh, earlier in the season, I was really high on Notre Dame. They haven't had the, the great start to the year that they definitely wanted to, but they're coming off a of bye week. They're, they've had an extremely tough schedule this year. I mean, just going on the list, series against Western Michigan. They've faced Michigan State already, Minnesota, Michigan, Ohio State. BU, uh, that's a tough schedule. Sure, they're seven seven two. They're ranked number nineteenth, which I, nah, you know, whatever. They're sitting there. I think there's a good team, and being that they've had this bye week, I think they're going to have a strong, not second half of the season yet, but strong second half of the season, if you know what I mean there. So give me Notre Dame to split. All right, then we can move on to the next one. Uh, we're not going to spend too much time on this. Uh, how how well do you think Wisconsin is going to do on the Olympic sheet this week? Wisconsin's uh, going to win a game. Watch watch it happen. <laughs> uh, is that your official pick? No. <laughs> uh, we all have uh, a Minnesota sweep over Wisconsin this weekend, uh, playing in Minneapolis. Um, not much to say. Wisconsin good. Minnesota not, or, or Wisconsin not good. Minnesota very good. Uh, so we all got go for sweeps. You know the all-age pick, though. If the whole desk picks one person, then it's not going to happen, and we got that going so far. So, <laughs> and then the other, the only other remaining Big Ten game, uh, the whatever the equivalent for uh, uh, the hockey equivalent of the Paul Bunyan game is, we got a home and home series between the Michigan State Spartans and the Michigan Wolverines. Uh, I've got a split here. I don't think Michigan State's going to be losing four games in a row. Um, I think they, if I'm predicting which game they take, I say it's going to be the game on Friday at Munn, and then they lose in Yost. Um, but yeah, two very two good teams. Um, Michigan has some issues with consistency. Um, the they literally just split with Wisconsin of all teams, and I 
don't think they've actually had a sweep on the season in the conference, if I'm correct on that. Uh, I am correct on that. So I don't think it's going to happen this weekend. Um, so, yeah, give me a split. Give me a split as well for pretty much every... I mean, you pretty much hit on everything I was going to say. I, it's also a rivalry series, and these two teams are a lot more competitive than they were the season uh, previous, which Michigan won all six myth- matchups. Excuse me. So, uh, yeah, give me the split. Should be a very interesting rivalry series, to say the least. I also have a split because I like to give home ice advantage where I think it counts. And with both of these arenas most likely going to be sold out and jam-packed with screaming fans, home and home series equals split. It's basic math. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, then uh, that wraps up the Big Ten Pick'ems. We're going to move on to our locks of the week as far as the out-of-conference slate goes. Um, yeah, like I said, not many, not great matchups on the on the agenda today. And not too many either. Nope. <clears throat> uh, but, you know, with finals week and all that coming up. So we only have a few remaining. We've got uh, my parlay in particular. I'm only rolling with a two-teamer. Going to be a little more conservative this week. I've got the Bemidji State Beavers to sweep uh, Lake Superior. And then I also have the Beavs. Uh, and then I also have St. Cloud State sweeping Miami. That's it. It's going for a nice twofer there. Okay. I'm also going to follow up. Just two picks for me. I'm going with the uh, number four St. Cloud State taking the series sweep at Miami. I St. Cloud say good, Miami bad. Then I'm also I'm going for one that nobody else says. Just switch it up a little bit. Omaha at Colorado College. Omaha's had a very shaky year, but Colorado College has had an even more shaky year. So uh, give me give me Omaha. Give me the the Lancers. Omaha Lance. No, they're the Hurricanes. Hurricanes really? The Lancers oh, are a junior team. Oh Jesus! Well, disregard I said that. But those are my two picks, and hopefully it cashes me two points. Or no, sorry, they're the Mavericks. I don't know what I'm saying the Hurricanes were. Their their logo kind of looks like the Hurricanes logo. It does. True. The Mavericks though. Go ahead. It's like Omaha. When has there ever been a hurricane in Omaha? I was kind of thinking I think of <laughs> Tulsa for a second because Tulsa's like the Golden Hurricane or something like that. Yeah. It's like a Dust Bowl reference. Regardless, Omaha Mavericks. Their logo looks like the Hurricanes. Go ahead. Fortune favors the bold, so I'm going to go with three Ooh. parlay picks on top of my, uh, uh, you know, Big Ten sweep pick aside from Minnesota because I'm 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 going for first place again. I will nah. also take Bemidji over Lake Superior. Lake Superior's won, uh, a handful of games, I think. Not, uh, not a handful, meaning one. Oh, right, because uh, they've got a, a shootout win and an exhibition win uh, that don't count in official standings. They're what? On, they're only, uh, their only actual win in Holy regulation God. is against Clarkson. So Man, I should have put that one. I didn't yeah. notice. Like, yeah, they're, they're, having that they're one eleven and Jeez. two. Yeah, so uh, go Beavers in that <laughs> series. The I had originally put down North Dakota to sweep Western Michigan. Bold. And changed my mind and realized what I was thinking was terrible because Western, although they're not great, uh, North Dakota is beyond inconsistent. I think they're not even that. They're just bad. They cannot get their act together. The amount of times, Stinson, that you've picked them and they've been swept or... Never, I, I don't think they ever really got swept. They get just had... They they would split because even against like a bad team. Like, they, they, they don't perf- they don't perform well. They don't. The, so North I, Dakota, not good this year. 
this is my uh, kind of my Hail Mary pick here is I'm going to take Western because I got to have something to spice the pickums up a bit. I'm not just going to copy straight down the middle. Because my final pick is also uh, St. Cloud at Miami. Miami, not good. St. Cloud, good. So that wraps up the pickums. Hopefully, I will uh, also be leading at the end of next week because that would be my first two-lead week. And gosh, I don't even remember how long, to be honest with you guys. But um, yeah, that'll, that'll pretty much do it for this episode. We do have a lot of coverage for you guys this weekend. It is a home-and-home. Home. So on Friday, the game at Munn, actually before that, uh, look out for Stincy's preview at some point Thursday. He said he'll probably have it out, but put, you know we're busy college kids, so hopefully. it'll be on the Twitter when it goes live. Yes, yes. Follow at we. Hey, we haven't plugged our Twitters in a while. I know we get insane Twitter followers for doing this. So, gentlemen, go I'm ahead. We plug plugged them. them on the last episode too, but Not it's really. uh, a. I don't remember, but it, it's it's Jacob F. Stinson, J A C O B F S T I N S O N. Boom, twenty five followers right there. What you got, Phillips? <laughs> I got. JD Phillips 125 capital JDP to start it off. Boom, 18 followers. And for me, at Ryan Radosevich, good luck following that. No, I'm kidding. At R Y A N R A D O S E V I C H. We tweet about a lot of MSU hockey stuff, produce a lot of content. So if you guys want to give us a follow, go right ahead and look out for Stency's preview. But for Friday, we will have a broadcast on WDBM Airwaves. Uh, Jacob Phillips and I will be on the call. And then Saturday, both you guys are going to Yoast, correct? Yep. Phillips and I are going to Yoast, and we're going to go produce some writing content. My yeah. first time in Yoast Ice Arena. This is like my be, fourth yeah. time, I think, now. So, uh, yeah, like keep an eye out. We'll probably have somebody live tweeting both games. So if you can't uh, can't see the game live, we've got you covered on the, the Twitters, fear, whatever. So, yeah, that'll wrap up episode whatever the heck of season, whatever the heck of Behind the Mask. From Ryan Josephich, joined alongside Jacob Stinson and Jacob Phillips. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back to break down, or will be will we be back to break down? We got break coming up. We could we could maybe try for like a like a Zoom episode or something. Try a Zoom episode. We'll we'll try that. But yeah, MSU has a break after this week. GLI we got, is the I next. Say, we got GLI to preview. Yeah, GLI is the next uh, next thing. And let me get those exact dates for you there. Does anybody have the exact dates off the top of their head? Uh, I, I think have it's the twenty seventh and twenty eighth. Yes, Tuesday, December twenty seventh at three thirty p.m. And Wednesday, December 28th, also at 3.30 p.m. Sweet. So that is MSU's next action. We'll try to throw out a pod for you guys. It'll probably be remote Zoom pod if we do it. But, uh, yeah, like I said, that'll that'll do it from us in the studio. Thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, we'll see you sooner or later. Have a good one.